Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. It's a feedback episode. Yes, it is. Here is where we tell you your stories that you've told us. So we've ha- we actually... We've got a lot of feedback. It's so nice. And we like to share with you because it's it's good. Again, I cannot tell you how much I enjoy it, that most of the messages start with, hi, girls, nice stuff, nice stuff. Do you want to go first? Sure. This is from Dice on Facebook. I've checked the email. They don't say they want to be anonymous, so here we go. Hey, ladies, love the podcast. Will you guys ever do a meet and greet in Melbourne? <laughs> no. <laughs> Who would want Who to meet come? and greet us? What would we do to shake hands with people? Well, no, we could tell them stories of no, things. No, we, we do that on the podcast. But we could do added extras. No one would come. It would be 500 of my family members, Basma and Sabrina. Yeah, I think my family are busy that <laughs> night. Where, and no, and where no, are Basma and Sabrina? We haven't heard from them for ages. They've dropped off. After they did badly in their exams and it was our fault. Can we email listeners or is that weird? <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> it's reverse feedback. <laughs> I am concerned about them. Hmm. Let's email them. She says, she doesn't ever stop laughing. Um, you guys get me through work. Don't listen to the grumpy people who complain. You'll get no complaints from me. Nice. Goes on to say, I've been unlucky or lucky, whatever way you look at it, to see three separate dead bodies. When I was very young, maybe seven or eight years old, it was Easter. My dad was driving, mum was in the front seat, and my younger sister and I were sitting in the back, cruising down the highway from Lara towards the city. That's like Geelong, right? Yeah. A bloke on a motorbike was in the right-hand lane, four car lengths in front, when all of a sudden he just flew up in the air, over the handlebars, landed on his neck going 100 k's an hour. I remember it so clearly because as we drove by him, I could see his butt crack. And when you're a kid. Butt cracks are funny. You don't, they are. Yeah. You don't absorb it. Actually, her next line says, being a kid, not knowing how serious it was, bums were funny. Yeah. Mum was screaming nonstop because the kids in the car because of the kids in the car and other people had stopped. Dad read in the newspaper the next day about the accident. He died instantly. The cause of the crash was he had a bum bag hanging on the front that came loose and got stuck in the front wheel. Oh, wow. So it's ripped him over the front and he's died. Oh, goodness. When your time's up. So many references to bums for different reasons in that. So she goes on to say the second one is gruesome and she says she still has PTSD from it. I met a really nice guy my age. We started knocking around together a bit. He was good friends with my neighbours. I was 16. Uh, Myself and another friend were playing PlayStation at my mum's house beside a busy highway in Geelong. Mm -hmm. Um, She said they heard a motorbike really loud and then they heard a bang, like a bomb went off. Mm -hmm. Minutes later, we saw emergency lights two houses down from mine. So my mate uh, and I went to check it out. The police were already there and said, don't look. It's not pretty. No, don't go out there. Don't go out there. You would. You'd go out there. Yeah, I'd look. The guy I met a few weeks before was on the left, was left on the side of the road, Mm. 
no head. Oh, no. His mate was taken to hospital but later died. There was so much blood. They were underage riding a motorbike with no helmets and running from the police. They came out of the side street straight into the path of a truck. Whoa. Blood was left soaked in the gutter for weeks. I couldn't walk that way anymore. And whenever I hear a motorbike going flat knacker, it sends me flashbacks. Amazing. um, It's amazing how... um, a smell or a sound oh, can take you back. Set off, trigger your memory. My parents were both children during the war in mm. in England, and um, if my father hears helicopters, oh. it reminds him of the sound of. It was it must have been a particular a, aircraft. Uh, yeah, noise, yeah. It wasn't helicopters they had during the war there, but it was a, a particular the, aircraft. The and there's a, just ones. a note that some helicopters have that just takes him back, and you can see his. He just. Colour will drain from him, yeah, the memory of it. She says her third one is sad. My girlfriend of 10 years, um, she says in brackets, I'm gay, by the way, Mm -hmm. just throwing that in there. Her older brother was diagnosed with cancer and he passed away in her mum's house when she was 17. He died in the room next to hers. She woke me up and asked me to come say goodbye to him, even though he was already gone. Very, very surreal, very cold. His eyes were all glazed over and she was just stroking his arm and face. I tried to stay strong for her, but tears were streaming out. I think she was more in shock. A lot of my friends think I have a strange obsession with death, but over time I've seen a few professionals that have told me it could be because I've just had two near-death experiences. What were those? At 17, I nearly drowned trying to save two young boys at a beach in Batemans Bay. The rip took me out past them and no one else was around. That's why she tried to help initially. After a good long 20 minutes of struggling and then finally accepting my fate, I woke up over some old guy's shoulder who threw me on the sand. I remember saying, grab the boys, they've been out there longer. She said, I got rushed to hospital and now I don't like the beach. I'm a strong swimmer too. The second time I was randomly jumped in Geelong by a carload of drunks who ended up putting me in hospital for two weeks. They've told me it's pretty natural to be curious about death. Only thing about drowning is you have a lot of time to think, but it isn't as frightening as you think once you come to, once you come to terms with it. Made peace with yourself. I know that sounds messed up. No, it doesn't. We've heard that about drowning. Yeah, I nearly drowned when I was younger with my my sister. So we were down at Mornington Beach and the waves were sort of pulling us out. It's the worst feeling. My little sister was on my back and there was a moment where I had struggled and struggled and I first of all kept thinking I I I don't want my sister to die. But there was a moment where I thought I'll just give up. I'll just oh. give up and go under. And then someone came along, a guy came along with a surfboard and we were able to grab onto that. I've never gone that far, but I've definitely had that feeling of being dragged backwards in water, you know, like as mm. a wave folds over, if yeah. you're underneath it, it kind of sucks you under. Yeah. I've had that feeling. It's terrifying. It's so powerful. And I'm that was when I was a kid sea. and we were just playing in the beach and I wonder why were my parents just letting us play in a surf beach like that? Yeah, my parents are on the beach. I think they just didn't realise. Yeah. 
Uh, email from Miranda. She says, hi, ladies. Nice stuff. Yada, yada. Seriously, I really enjoy your podcast. Oh, stop, stop it, it. Uh, She says, I have just listened to the account of the woman with postnatal psychosis in episode 18. That was you speaking about Serfina. Yes, Serfina Nickat. Serfina Nickat. Uh, and I'm with Chanel. Having survived postnatal depression, borderline psychosis, I get how sick you can be that you simply do not think of the options available for support when you need help with your baby and your own health. Oh, I'm so See, sorry she went through that. I think that's that. so true and I that's why I kind of wanted to tell that story because yeah. I think it's not totally no, it's removed not from, it's not. from people's lives. Uh, she says, it's only when you're well again you see these. Thankfully, my illness was limited to abandoning my baby. I needed to escape from being a mum and this was the only way out that made sense. And yes, it made perfect sense at the time. I had a very detailed plan that resulted in me walking away from my child and very happy and supportive marriage. Thankfully, I also had a support network that intervened. I guess that's the difference between her and Sophina didn't have. Yeah, Um, and meant I could get help with my illness. Without this, I doubt I would be enjoying the amazingness that is an almost nine-year-old while planning our twenty-year anniversary. Oh, amazing! Wow, that's. uh, I'm so glad that we got at least one email about that because I was so terrified to tell that story. People would judge you as well. I thought people would judge me, and it's really difficult when you're sitting in court or when you're sitting in a crime scene and you really understand the entirety of the story, not just the one minute thirty that I put on the news. Yeah, and I really, really felt bad for her, and I felt that maybe perhaps there would be one woman that understood, Mm. and there she is. There would be more than one, I'm sure. That's so lovely to hear that. the child is now happy and thriving and a 20-year anniversary means that the marriage is also doing well. Amazing. Uh, she says, so, Chanel, stick to your guns and hopefully this helps Didi understand. Oh, look, I understand. I think what I was saying in that was I, I understood how alone Sophie and Nikat did. I um, still had a problem with the fact that she blamed an entire race of people yes. when she said a black man took yes. my baby. I just thought that then pointed the finger yeah. and uh, demonised a, a, a mm. group of people in our society. But I I completely understood how lost and alone she was at the time. Um, uh, Miranda says, note, understand and accept and forgive are three very different words. Understand, accept and forgive are three very different words. More nice things and hello from New Zealand, Miranda iPhone, I spelling, I apologise. Don't apologise, Miranda. Thank you. That's Thank that's a really you, heartfelt Miranda. message and personal thing to share with us. We appreciate that. I've got from Catherine. Uh, I'm a Canadian living in Australia. My partner is Maori and I had zero exposure to his culture until I met him. My second visit to his hometown, sadly, was for his dear Nan's funeral. We got the news and quickly booked flights and we met up with other relatives. Now, not one person in this huge group, she says, bothered to let me know what I was about to face. My partner told me a few bits like how there would be a huge sleepover at the, I'm going to say this wrong, Murray, the tribe's local meeting lodge and lots of work to be shared as many people come from all over to pay respects and the tribe makes food for everyone who comes. She thought, no worries, I can lend a hand and help where needed. Easy, she writes. So 
We arrive late at night at the Marais, if I'm saying that right or wrong, and everyone piled out of the cars. Suddenly, everyone but me is silent because they all know the ritual is about to unfold. What are they going to the do? The ritual. <laughs> they take the new girl and sacrifice her. No. She said, I heard a loud voice singing a mournful welcome song and I immediately shut my mouth. I saw my partner walk towards the front door and everyone started to fall in line behind him. I have, she writes in capitals, no idea what is going on. I quite like this so far because you never know what to do at a funeral. You sort of stand no. around. Or, whereas everyone's doing a thing. Well, she says, I have no idea what's going on, what order to walk in, nothing. But as I'm the only one not from the tribe, I at least feel like I should wait for everyone else. And I made my way to the end of the line. Thank God a lovely girl took me under her wing and whispered basic instructions. I focused on watching those before me, trying to see what everyone was doing. As I got nearer to the front, I suddenly realised everyone is greeting the mourners in a specific order and that they were kneeling beside dear Nan in her coffin on the floor and leaning in to kiss her and pay respects. I had only met her once and I didn't know what to do or say. My heart was racing. I've been to many funerals and never even attended the viewings of my own relatives, not wanting to see them deceased. And here I was, literally, face to face. So I steeled myself and followed suit, leaning into Nan's casket and giving her the quickest, softest kiss I could on her forehead. Then, because the stress level had overwhelmed me, (laughs) I went on to greet everyone incorrectly while everyone else watched me be... Sorry, I had something in my throat. While everyone else watched me be a complete fool as I was the last one in line, I'm pretty sure I punched my partner when it was respectable to do so and asked him, why on earth did you not tell me any of that? Thankfully, everyone was gracious to me and I appreciated that I just tried my best. My best. I think I passed the test. I have to say this way of saying goodbye was absolutely beautiful and free and it really helps for closure. I think that even though it was shocking to me at first, this is an amazing way to say goodbye to loved ones. We thre- we spent three nights with Nan in her coffin, no, us on the no, floor. no. Around her in the Marais, word I can't say, together as a huge family, listening to stories, watching performances and huckers that brought me to tears. One more bit. My family traditions are... If they eat her, I'm out of here. They're going to roast her in a pit or something, aren't they? No, I just scanned her. She's alive. Okay. One more bit. My family traditions are one that everyone gathers around the casket and a photo is taken. Oh, no, not this again. Back in I spent one, time. Getting in trouble for laughing. Don't laugh. <laughs> I spent time as a young kid going through my grandmother's photo albums, and it's just pictures of people at funerals with the body. Now, that is crazy. And some people smile in the photo around the dead person in the casket. She, dis- she does a big ha, 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 ha. Wow. That's not us. She does. I want to see the photos. Thankfully, that tradition has died off with the older generations. I think it's pretty funny, though. No disrespect to the dead. Just love and funeral bit. photos, Catherine. Oh, Catherine, where are the photos? Where's the attachment? I love that her click, boyfriend click, click. just did not tell her anything. No. That is such a guy thing to do. No. Like, 
okay, Nicholas is Greek. I think we know that. And he has traditions and things that happen. And I know it, nothing like as, you know, kissing dead Nan. But there have been times at the start of our relationship where things were going on in churches and I just didn't know what was – and you're trying to do the right thing. You're desperately trying to impress these people. <laughs> now I probably don't care what they think. But back then – I was trying to please, and it's terrifying. Yeah, no, you can't do that. I think I got up and made um, a breakfast for Kieran when he went off to play golf very early in the piece, trying to impress him. And? Gave that up very, once. Yeah, see? I did it once. Uh, from Candice on our Facebook page. Hi. After listening to Dead Bodies every single week, so addictive, she says. <laughs> oh, Candice. Oh. Oh, go on. Stop it. Stop. Uh, I decided to do some Googling about strange and unusual deaths. Now, I know that Wikipedia at times isn't exactly fact, but some of these stories are definitely uh, about deaths are definitely worthy of a read. Okay. 289 BC. Oh, no, there's a whole bunch of... How many has she done? Well, there's. There, it's not so Wait, much. She's starting she's from done. 289 BC and it goes to 2018. <laughs> What's happening? It's not so much that. It's the names of these people, but I'll give it a shot. Oh, no. Agathocles, a Greek tyrant of Syracuse, was murdered by a poisoned toothpick. Genius. That is genius. That is genius. Thank you. Kirsten's nodding. You're not. We'll do that to Nico because he does the teeth cleaning a lot. I do too. Do you mm. love those picksters? They're like fluffy toothpicks. Haven't you got picksters? They're the best. I haven't what? got one with me. I normally have them. Every pocket of everything Kirsten has picksters in. what you're talking in. about too. Do you use them? It's like a toothpick, but it's got a sort of a fuzzy head on it. So get you in between your teeth but you've got perfect teeth I no haven't. I don't but I need to get them because sometimes before I go on TV I get stuff lodged in my Pixters teeth and I have to take my mm. earring off to pick it out yeah well you I'm going to buy you a packet of Pixters everyone does that they're the best don't shake your head they mm. do Kirst they use their earrings to get things out of their teeth yeah if you haven't got a paper clip sometimes I will bend the corner of a piece of paper into a point and, and use get a, it out mm. yeah <clears throat> 475 BC the Greek philosopher Oh, God. Well, no, it looks, there's a word, it's almost like clitoris, but it can't be that. Heraticlus, Heraclitus, Heraclitus. Stop it. Hera. Just move on. Clitoris. Just, just move on. Was said to have been devoured by dogs after smearing himself with cow manure in an attempt to cure his dropsy. Can you Google dropsy? What's dropsy? I've heard that before. It's, I feel like it's an old-fashioned term for something we probably give a different name now. They always used to get it in Victorian times and die of it, dropsy. It's probably a fever or something. Oh, yeah, dropsy disease. I thought that smearing himself with cow manure would cure dropsy. Dropsy disease, an old term for the swelling of the soft tissues due to the accumulation of excess water. In years gone by, a person might have been said to have dropsy. Today, one would be more descriptive and specify the cause. Thus, the person might have edema. Oh, okay. Yeah, swelling. Due to congestive heart failure. God, that would have been a terrible look. He was all swollen up. He's rubbed himself with cow shit and the dogs have eaten him. And he's a philosopher. Didn't see that coming. Honestly, that's such a wank of a profession, isn't it? What do you do for a living? Um, Philosopher. I stand around thinking where the trees falling in forests and that I predict the future. Do you? Because a lot of shit stuff's happened and you didn't stop it. That's psychics, not philosophers. 455 BC... Ischilus. How many more of these names do you have to read? There's a lot. Uh, the eldest of the great three Athenian tragedians. 
What is that? Was killed by a tortoise dropped by an eagle that had mistaken his bald head for a rock suitable for shattering true. the shell of a reptile. I believe that. Eagles do pick up animals and they drop them on rocks a to tortoise. crack the shell open. Yes. An eagle picks up a tortoise. Yes, that could happen. Eagles are big and strong and they would do that. They would think, I want to eat this. I'm going. Oh, there's a, a rock, a smooth, shiny rock. Bang. 206 BC. Chrysippus. Chrysippus. A third century BC Greek Stoic philosopher. Why are they all philosophers? Why don't they do anything for a living? Why do they just stand around thinking? I'm hmm. Googling can eagles pick up tortoises? Can't talk. Eagles can pick up all sorts of stuff. Chris Chippy is Crispus. Died of laughter. You don't die of laughter. So it's when people say to me, oh my God, I can't do that. I'll just die of embarrassment. And I say, you don't actually die of embarrassment. You just get red cheeks. You'll be all right. Uh, he died of laughter after he saw a donkey eating figs. He told a slave to give the donkey neat wine to wash them down with. Oh, so he must have made the donkey um, drunk. November 1872. What are you Googling? I've forgotten. I'm watching an eagle picking up a tortoise. Aha. Uh-huh. See? Proof. Oh, um, my God. November 8. Is it C? Does <gasps> happen? It does it. It does it. And drops it on the rock. <laughs> Ye of little faith. It does it. There's a video online. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, my gosh. And then you see it flying with it. And then it drops it. You never don't believe anything I tell you. Uh, November. Wow. That's so bad. And look, they do a slow motion drop of the... Thank you, Donk. I feel... God, don't you feel no sympathy for the tortoise? No, it's awful for that's, everyone. That's right. November 1872, Henry Taylor, a pallbearer at the Kensal Green Cemetery in London, tripped over a stone and stumbled as he was carrying a coffin. The other pallbearers let go of the coffin and it fell on top of Taylor, crushing him to death in front of all the mourners. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Have you got more? No. You're just sitting watching things I'm are sending the, I've got one um, more. I'm sending the eagle versus tortoise video in our group chat so then we can put the link up so people can watch that That's amazingness. Nice. Thank you. I'll do you one more from Spanky. Hi, ladies. Thank you. Isn't it the best name? Are they- people making their own nicknames? Because I said I wanted my own nickname. So now people are just writing in with their own nicknames. I never know what to – What's what? sometimes I'll, I'll refer to you as Shah and I feel wrong doing it. Oh, are you Shah, always Chanel? No, Shah, Shan, Bella. Right. Asshole, depending who's Who, calling out to call me. Call me anything, don't call me late for dinner. Thanks for my new favourite podcast. Although I listen at work in binges, yes, there are people who do it. Oh, for God's sake, for fuck's sake. Uh, All right. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, people got Pat, nothing winning better feeling. to do. Uh, you I just had the winning the feeling before when I said that you were talking lies and you weren't. I'm speaking. I listened to the most recent episode today, so hurry the fuck up and make some more, please. Spanky was so sweet, he put asterisks instead of writing the word fuck there. Uh, saw this, obviously thought of you. You just said it. Maybe this will reassure you, Dee Dee. Cheers, Spanky. And he attached the following article. The trend of supposed corpses not actually turning out to be dead 
was big in the Victorian era, or at least the fear of it was, leading to the creepy idea of the safety coffin. These were coffins that linked the corpse, or potentially living person, in their coffin to a bell on the surface. Yes, I am going on about this He's hugged me with one hand and slapped me with the other. I won't let it go. A bell on the surface that they could ring if they did, in fact, wake up. There's no... Oh. There's no evidence that they were ever successfully used to save a prematurely buried person. Occasionally, stories were told of coffins being unearthed only to find scratches on the inside of the coffin. Let me out. Uh, And the corpse settled in an unusual position. But most evidence of premature burial was more easily put down to the effects of decomposition. Premature burial does still happen occasionally, however, but it's not all that common in Australia. The most recent example... What? So there's more than one example. This is just the most recent. When was the most recent? Uh, Doesn't say a date. A man in India woke up in the middle of the family's pre-funeral rites. The 95-year-old man had fainted earlier and upon being called to be revived by a doctor... Uh, the doctor pronounced him dead. Though it turns out the call was made a little prematurely. Oh, you think so? Jump Nearly had him in the ground. Earlier this year, a woman in South Africa was wrongly pronounced dead after a car crash. Paramedics later blamed the mix-up on equipment. No, oh, it wasn't workman. our fault. Bad workman blames his Machine tools. Machine go ping. Said wrong thing. A Kenyan man accidentally killed himself when the insecticide he drank made him no. appear dead. Sorry? Only to later miraculously wake up in the morgue. What did he... He, so he's trying to kill himself. Or did he think did that he die. would kill bugs inside him or something? In Greece in 2014, a woman was buried alive and asphyxiated in her coffin. No. Children playing near the cemetery heard her screaming from within the earth. No. That's no. your worst fear. It is my worst fear. If only she had a bell. Most Australian states require a medical practic- practitioner like a doctor, to declare a death, although sometimes nurses, midwives and qualified paramedics will do it. In Victoria in 2012, paramedics wrongly declared a car crash victim dead. SES volunteers later detected signs of life and the man had to be rushed to hospital. In Australia, it's highly unlikely for this kind of event to occur. Uh, many states also require medical tests to determine death before organs can be harvested donation. So if you're really worried... Maybe it's time to register yourself as an organ donor. Well, that's a good idea. That way they have to do all these extra checks. Yeah, I am an organ donor. Do you know, I haven't put it down. Well, how do you, how do I do? Just fill out a form, but I'm donating everything except for my eyes. I think I have to fill out a, coming back to that. Okay. Fill out a form. I know on the back of my license, I used to put a sticker on there saying, yes, I'm an organ donor. I don't But no, they don't, no, that was when we had paper licenses. Yeah, okay. A bit older than you. Why not your eyes? I don't know. I just feel like it's what I've seen my whole life through. Yeah, okay. It feels weird to give it to someone else, but it's not actually your eyes, I don't think. It's just like the back part of it or something, something inside. It's not like your whole eyeball. That wouldn't look like you? No. Uh, that's all uh, from Spanky. It says, cheers, Spanky. No inverted commas. Yes, it is my name. Yes, you can see my license. Yes, people call me that. Well, so it was a nickname. That's cool. Well, this is our last episode. Uh, even though we did no work, you did all the work and of we the just year read it. Or forever. You. No. <laughs> You've just said this is our last episode. Okay. Yes. Well, that's been great. <laughs> no, for the year. For the year. So, um, 
I would like to say a heartfelt thank you to everyone who has supported us and encouraged us and been kind to us, not the people on iTunes. No, I like the people on iTunes. I can't believe how much fun we've had doing this and the people on iTunes that have hated us have only made us stronger and I'm so overwhelmed at how much feedback we get every week and that people listen to this podcast. And we should also say a really massive thank you to our wonderful producer, Kirsten, Kirsten. who... We call her mama. I know we've said this she's before. the best. She's the best. And I know that we've said this before. We don't get paid to do this, no. but we kind of just walk into a studio and sit down and have a chat and Kirst does all the editing I know, in her she has own to time. Like and clean it up she afterwards. She has to stay back and clean up all the shit we talk. And, and listen to us over and, and over, over again. Over and over again. She's shaking so her head now, like, will you two shut it's up? It's true. She does an amazing <laughs> job and she works really hard to get this podcast to air. So She's the best. We love her. We love you. I love you, Dee Dee. I love you, Chanel. I hope everyone has a wonderful end to their Making 2018. Making it sound like we're about to die, but we're not. We will be back. There'll be another episode next week. Dead Bodies is created by Dee Dee Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.